When I talked to Joel Briscoe, he was in the middle of work. I'm in the Utah State Capitol right now, up on the a hill overlooking Salt Lake City. He's a state representative, a Democrat from District 25. I'm going to get by a window, so I have better reception. Representative Briscoe has worked in the state capitol for nearly a decade, and he's been trying to convince his colleagues to expand health care access for most of that time. A couple months back, he thought the voters had figured out just a little piece of the state's health care puzzle. Utah approved this ballot initiative called Proposition 3. It expanded Medicaid. It even set aside tax revenue to pay for it. Some heated moments on Utah's Capitol Hill today as the House takes up a bill to modify Proposition 3 to expand Medicaid here in our state. But then a couple weeks back, the legislature voted to undo that proposition. They drastically shrunk the number of people who'd be eligible for Medicaid in spite of the voters. Emotions run high outside the House chamber as Senate Bill 96 is being debated. There were pastors singing hymns at the Capitol that day. A protester unfurled a banner and yelled at the lawmakers. And while all this was going on, Representative Briscoe got up on the floor of the House and made a speech. Representative Briscoe. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Representative Briscoe likes to wear a tie with Harry Truman on it to remind people that government's job is to solve big problems. His speech was kind of a lament. Why don't we do the simple thing? Why don't we do something that people voted for and implement Medicaid expansion? But he did not win over any of his colleagues. When I was done, I was looking over at the sponsor of the bill, and he had a smile on his face. He, I'm sure he disagreed with me, but, but I wouldn't characterize him as laughing, but he was smiling. So I was somewhat good-natured, but I think I had a little bit of edge to it. It's kind of like, really? Republicans were making the case that health care is expensive. They said if they did what the voters wanted, they wouldn't be able to pay for it. I mean, here's, here, here's my frustration. We have a, a billion-dollar state surplus. The governor and the leadership of the legislature are talking about a $225 million tax cut. Budgets show your values. Budgets show what you believe is important. All around the country, local legislators are having moments like this one. Because during the midterm election, voters in deep red states chose to expand Medicaid access. So today, we're going to take a closer look at what went down in Utah and try to figure out what it means for the rest of the country. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stay with us. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Rachna Pradhan is a healthcare reporter at Politico. She's been following these state-by-state battles over Medicaid for a couple years now. She says things really started heating up over midterms. I should make a joke about this because really during the midterm elections, I was mostly on maternity leave. But that being said, uh, I was paying attention. So 
Rajna was paying attention because four different states were voting on some kind of Medicaid expansion, forcing local legislators to let more people access government health care. Remember, under the Affordable Care Act, all the states can do this, but a bunch of Republicans opted out. Rachna says what happened in Utah last week, it's got some history. A few years ago, Governor Gary Herbert did try to expand coverage, I think, because he realized that, you know, there was this huge gap of people that just didn't have health insurance. And by and large, you know, he believed that covering people is a good thing, right? It helps them. It can help your economy. And Gary Herbert's a Republican, right? He is a Republican, right? So this, you know, so this was during the Obama administration. He was trying to negotiate a plan to expand coverage to low-income people in Utah. And he went back to his legislature and the Senate supported his plan and the House did not. And it's not possible in most situations for governors to do this uh, unilaterally. And even if they can, that's a very large political risk if you want to take that on your own. Um, It sort of withered away for a little while after he tried a couple times and it didn't go anywhere. When the governor couldn't get this done, advocates got the idea to put Medicaid on the ballot, let voters decide. It's a strategy a bunch of states are trying. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, ballot measure work is basically, yeah, it's a lot of door knocking and getting people to sign petitions, right? It's like the most, seems like kind of the most basic way of, you know, changing things in your government. I mean, it's trying to get support at the local level, you know, going around and saying, will you sign this and do you support this idea? And, you know, they they managed to get the tens of thousands of signatures that they needed to get it on the ballot to begin with. So what were the first inklings that even though this ballot measure had passed and it said, yes, we're going to expand Medicaid to people, we're going to do this thing that the governor has been trying to do for a really long time. What were the first inklings this might not go as planned? I would say I got them in late December, early January. So I was talking to a local lawmaker um, who's pretty involved in this stuff after the ballot measure passed. And they said, well, we just got updated budget projections from the governor's budget office that says the sales tax is not going to be enough to cover this expansion to 150,000 people. Utah planned to pay for its Medicaid expansion by increasing sales taxes. It was right on the ballot. But when the new year came, the governor decided he wanted to cut sales taxes. And this report came out saying the money for Medicaid was going to fall short. Well, can I ask you something? I mean, you say there was this projection showing that the sales tax wouldn't be enough to cover Medicaid. Is that true? Well, so that now really I can't give a answer beyond he said, she said. Right. Because now the groups that back the ballot measure said that when they wrote it, right? They did their projections. They did calculations of how much of a sales tax increase would you need to cover the costs for this? And they say it's enough. But then you have the governor's office that has their fiscal analysis, and which is public. um, And they've said, look, it's going to fall short in a few years. Well, so they come up with this plan, right? That will expand Medicaid, just not to everyone. Can you explain that a little bit? So, What Utah said, they said, well, we're worried about the cost of fully doing Proposition 3, which was the Medicaid initiative. So we're going to 
propose a plan that would essentially cover people in the so-called coverage gap. So people below the poverty line who have no options. So that's really low. That's like $15,000 a year or $12,000 a year. I think 12. Yeah, it's for a single person. It's something around $12,000. So these people have nothing. Um, because of a weird fluke in the ACA that, you know, came into being in 2012. So essentially, Utah, by saying we are only going to cover people under Medicaid below the poverty line, they are not going to get as much federal money as they would if they had adopted the ballot measure itself. And so for them, initially, and we can get into why it's only initially, but they are taking a financial hit to their own budget uh, to do this. Yeah, my favorite headline having to do with this was in the L.A. Times where they said stupid Medicaid tricks. Utah figures out how to spend more and cover fewer people. (laughs) Is that accurate? Well, I'm not going to characterize it as stupid, but um, (laughs) they would they would. Yeah, they're expanding Medicaid coverage to fewer people. It's roughly about 90,000 as opposed to 150,000. And it's going to cost them more unless they get some major permissions to do certain things by the Trump administration that the federal government has never approved for any state before. What it looks like Utah did here is go to the federal government and say, we want you to give us the same money we would have gotten if we expanded Medicaid to everyone. But we want to cover fewer people. A few different states have asked for this in the past, but they've always been turned down. This time, the government seems to have said, we might make a deal here if you do something for us put in place a spending cap. That could mean in the long run, Utah might have to cut back on the services they provide. The overall spending caps that say, okay, we're going to cap, we being the federal government are in the long term going to cap how much we give you per person. And if you go over that, that is your problem, right? Financially. That, That Utah put that in there to be a deal sweetener for the federal government to give them this money. And also, I should say, in exchange for those spending caps, Utah would insist on having more, even more flexibility to run the program as they want to. That's usually the trade-off that states want to make. You know, they're not going to go to the federal government and say, just give me less money. There, there needs to be some, uh, you know, give from the feds on that. So, you know, th- these are really big changes. And it's true that if if the federal government decides, OK, we're going to give Utah this, they can't just only insist that it, you know, happens for Utah. There are other states that could approach the federal government with the same ideas and say, well, we want that too. And there wouldn't be any legal reason to not give it to them, right? So so it, it could set a big precedent all over the place. Putting these limits on Medicaid, an entitlement program, kind of turns it upside down. It's not too far to say that this would be a reimagining of what healthcare is. And depending on what the administration decides... It could be coming to a state near you. There are other states that have already asked for permission to do this. Arkansas is one of them. Massachusetts is another one. Um, They have already done the full ACA expansion and they want to roll it back to the poverty line. They will probably try to do it if if Utah gets this permission. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting hearing you talk about all the states who have actually asked for this before. You know, Massachusetts, I think of as a very liberal state. But I guess that just shows how expensive this proposition is and how much states are worried about how you pay the bills. Yeah, Massachusetts in particular, um, several years ago, they saw a huge 
balloon in their Medicaid costs. I mean, it was just eating up their budget. And so Governor Charlie Baker has suggested some ideas, other ones also, to to contain that expense. Um, and the thinking was, now, Democrats up there didn't support it, but the thing is, is for him, you think, well, if I cap Medicaid coverage at the federal poverty line, all of those people still have another way to get coverage. Everyone above the poverty line, well, they're already on the exchange, right, getting very subsidized private insurance, we're not throwing them off of everything and they can't get anything because that would not, that's not okay with him. It's a trade-off, you know, but I think for them, and sometimes you have to when you see what the numbers look like, that, that's what sort of, uh, I think, spurred it in Massachusetts. What's your prediction for what's going to happen with Utah come April when this is all supposed to go into effect? Well, come April... They are going to expand coverage to people, albeit at a much higher cost to the state. And if I could predict what would happen with their the larger questions, I, I do think there's a really strong desire in the federal government among some very key people to let Utah do what it wants to do more broadly. But really, I mean, the question comes down to the president and what does he want? And we don't know that. All right. Rachana Pradhan, thank you so much for walking me through this. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Before we go, one last rabbit hole I went down this weekend, this time with Eric Eddings, the co-host of the podcast The Nod. Are, okay, are you like the biggest Keenan Thompson fan out there? Like, describe, <laughs> <laughs> put put some parameters on it for me. Well, I, I don't know that I'm the biggest. I, I like I, I try not I try to leave room for other people, but I am a massive, massive Keenan Thompson fan. You know Keenan Thompson. He's on SNL. He plays Steve Harvey, hosts Black Jeopardy. Keenan started acting as a kid, and he was especially well-known for this sketch comedy show he did on Nickelodeon called All That. It ran for about a decade, starting in the mid-90s. Last week, we learned Keenan is bringing All That back. When you saw that Keenan Thompson was going to revive All That, what was your reaction? Well, usually you hear about a reboot and you kind of cringe a little bit and you're just like, oh, no, are they are they really going to do this? And, you know, how are they going to how are they going to reboot something you love? But uh, Keenan being the one uh, to executive produce this and kind of be at the helm uh, for me, it was a big show of like, OK, wow, they really want to do this right. So I asked Eric to reach back in the all that encyclopedia that is his brain and give me the top three sketches we should track down on YouTube in anticipation of this reboot. Wow. So just a quick, I'm going to give one that doesn't count and then I'll give the three. But uh, <laughs> most people would say Good Burger, the Good Burger sketches are the best sketches. And that's not untrue. 
But because you can, because a lot of people have maybe seen the Good Burger movie and it like spun out into its own thing, I'm actually not going to start there. But Good Burger <laughs> sketches are great. I just don't want, I want to be able to go to the all that parties later. So I don't want people to be like, how did you forget Good Burger? Um, <laughs> but I would say uh, Everyday French with Pierre Escargot, um, which is a Keenan sketch, is a classic. So it is Keenan Thompson. He is in a yellow rain suit and full clothing, sitting in a bathtub uh, filled with bubbles. And he is speaking with the, the worst French accent ever, uh, translating French phrases that mean absolutely nothing. My toilet is pillow and the tomatoes. My toilet is full of sweet tomatoes. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So we got one. Uh, so that's one. Uh, the next one I would probably say is Ask Ashley. So that is, this is Amanda Bynes sketch. So Amanda Bynes is kind of like sitting in a, she's sitting in a bed in like what's clearly like a little kid's room. And she starts out kind of answering these questions from the audience in this, this very like sweet voice. Uh, and she's like, oh, this is such a wonderful question. Well, Claudia, I do have a little suggestion for you. But then by the end of the sketch, she is like shouting and berating you at the at the top of her lungs. Uh, and she just has this like very pure anger uh, and rage <laughs> that comes out. And I think lastly to, uh, you can't talk about all that without talking about Lori Beth as well. Lori Beth Denberg, Vital Information, that's the name of the sketch, but a lot of people say, Vital information for your everyday life is kind of her, <laughs> her like catchphrase. <laughs> uh, and she is just giving you almost like non sequiturs. She's like giving you advice, but the advice is just very odd. If your dad wears the pants in the family, that's good. If your dad wears no pants, then your daddy naked. <laughs> her delivery is just spot on. It's perfect comedic timing. It works every time. <laughs> so do you hope all these sketches come back? Well, that's the thing. I don't. I don't know. The part, the purest in me is like, I don't know that anyone could do it like they did, you know, back in the day. <laughs> but, but a part of me does want to see that. I mean, I have a kid now. Uh, I have a kid now myself. She's she's you know three years old. She's about to be four. So it's maybe a little early for her uh, to be to be getting sketch comedy humor. But if they were doing those old sketches, I'd give it a shot. I I at least see. Uh, just want just put her down and see if she'll laugh at the same thing her dad laughed at, considering she thinks. All the things I consider cool are not cool at this moment. <laughs> Thank you so much, Eric Eddings. I have loved having you talk to me about this. Thank you. Any anytime. I uh, I don't get to tap my Keenan Thompson expert uh, hat often, uh, but but I'm glad I got to do it today. If you haven't done it already, you really should go back and track down The Nod, especially Eric's episode about Keenan. It is one of my favorites. Seriously, listen during lunch today. All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris. The show is produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Anna Martin. Before I get out of here, special announcement for tomorrow. My colleague Christina Caterucci from The Waves and The Outward Podcast is going to be sitting in this chair. I am really excited to listen. I'm going to see you back here on Thursday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.